So today we are going to be in 1 Corinthians, and usually I have my slides, but they did not sync to my phone. So uh, um, thank you to Jason for, for uh, kind of tracking with me through this. Uh, we're going to be in our, a study, a new study, a study that we're going to entitle, How Now Shall We Live? And, uh, and they, that is, if you're wondering, uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote a book that was similarly titled, but not that. Chuck Colson wrote a book in the late 90s, uh, and this was his title. So we're just borrowing his title for this series, and it's basically the implications of what is it for us to know God, to know his word, to know the truth of the gospel, and then how does that frame how we live? Now, you're going to say, wait a second, we just did something very similar to that in the book of Proverbs, and you're right. Uh, That was the book of Proverbs, wisdom embedded in this world. It was very applicable, uh, very practical, uh, but yet this is going to be in a similar direction, but it's going to be through the lens of theology. We're going to see how theological topics theological understandings uh, affect the way we see the world and affect the way we ought to live in the world. And so uh, the title of that series, of course, is uh, How Now Shall We Live? So in light of these things being true of God and of, of this world and how he is at work in this world, what difference does it make and how do we live because of it? Because they, we're going to kind of take about... Uh, 10 or 12 theological topics, and we're going to look at those, we're going to study those, and then see uh, the uh, applicable implications. So if you were going to say, all right, give me the top 10, top 12 theological uh, concepts or doctrinal ideas that are going to frame the way that we live, where would you start? Okay, you might say, well, we probably should start with God. Uh, and you would be on solid footing in saying that. Uh, it's a uh, definitely a beginning point uh, is starting with God, and many systematic theologies do that. But I'm going to start in a different place, uh, and I'm going to start in a place where other systematics uh, begin, and that is with the Word of God. Because how do we know anything other than what we see in creation? How do we know specifics about God Uh, if we don't have his word and his revealed word uh, that he has given to us. We're going to start with the word of God, and then we are going to end up looking at the doctrine of God next week and then go from there. So we're going to look at these things, but basically, so today is a theology of the scriptures, a theology of the word of God. And uh, so we're going to start there so that we have a framework to then build from there. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians. Uh, I actually changed my passage uh, from 2 Timothy. We'll reference it, but we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 6 and read to the end of the chapter uh, together. So 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 16. Why don't you stand with me as we just reflect exactly the theology of the scriptures, that God is speaking We long to hear from him. So this is just an expression of our submission to the word. So Paul writes this to the people in Corinth. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. 
But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no, eye, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? Also, so also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. God, would you uh, use your word uh, by the power of your spirit, convince us of it, help us to understand it rightly and comprehend it. God, give us clarity in our thinking. But God, I ask also that by the power of the Spirit, we would be able to receive these things. God, just reading words isn't going to change our hearts and our lives. Father, I pray that uh, who you are and who you reveal yourself to be in your word, God, we would understand it and that we would trans- be transformed by it and even change our lives accordingly. So God, give us insight uh, into uh, who you are into this world, into the word as you have revealed it. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I prayed it earlier, but it seems as if so many things are uh, just on warp speed in change in our culture. You know, just even if you rewind 10 years back, the things that are being discussed now, not just discussed, but like, like accepted and even supported and pushed by our culture were unheard of 10 years ago. Uh, and so in 10 years, it feels like the court of public opinion has flipped and has uh, changed the conversation greatly. Things like gender identity, Right, I read a, a school up in New York recently. Actually, it was a Christian school, uh, and or at least a historically Christian school that are no longer going to use the words mother and father because they want to be inclusive and don't want to isolate people with that type of language. Males can play female sports. Uh, And in all of these things, in gender identity, what is a believer 
supposed to think? What are we, how are we supposed to see these things? We hear things like critical race theory, and we're like, huh, what are we supposed to think about that? Christian nationalism, or maybe even when it's election time, how should we vote? How should we assess things? Are there candidates we should or shouldn't vote for? How do we vote for issues? What about social media? How are we supposed to view social media? What about Netflix or YouTube? What about the things we watch? the things we spend our time on, the things we pursue for pleasure. How are we supposed to think about all these things? And how should a believer think, uh, kind of assess or realign our lives with the things of God? What about the way a family functions? What about the role of sports in our kids' lives? Is it good? Is it harmful? Is it too much? Is it not enough? How should the Christian think? And so the, the, the point of our time over these next many weeks is to look at theological topics and then begin to ask application questions of, well, what, do, what does that mean? What, what implications does that have for us as God's people? What might need to change in my life because of this truth from God's word? Uh, and because we're really in the middle of a culture war. You know, all of those things represent, uh, you know, many different inputs or things that are pulling on us. Uh, and uh, at times, when, when uh, God's people find themselves just really seeing the world from a very different perspective, it's easy to think if the world would just act differently, then we would be okay. And that's not it at all. Because uh, I talked about Chuck Colson. Colson's kind of said, in, uh, actually in the introduction in the, in the book, uh, titled, How Now Shall We Live? He said at a most fundamental level uh, that this, th- this culture war that we're in is a clash of belief systems, not really of behavior. He says, it just like Abraham Kuyper said, it's a clash of principle against principle, of worldview against worldview. And only when we begin to see that will we really find our voice in our culture. That it's not, uh, can you believe what people are doing? It is people are doing what is the, the net effect or the fallout of their belief system. Hopefully the believer lives in a way that is the, the, the implication of the way that we believe. The world is doing the same. So it's really not about behavior as much as it is a clash of the way we see the world. And so you may have heard that word worldview before. Uh, and what's a worldview? It's, it's actually in the, in the definition or in the word itself. Uh, it's an overarching uh, kind of sense or understanding of the world. So it's your overarching understanding of the world that directs your life, okay? So it's your view of the world and then how it affects your life in that world. So it's in, in a way, it's your big picture. It, it's what you believe about the understanding of reality, in the life that you live, okay? It affects day-to-day behavior because we all really do live out our belief system. And not just the things we say with our mouth, we live out the belief system of our heart. 
That's where it becomes really interesting is that it's not just what you say, it's what you believe at the core of who you are that changes how you live day to day. And so at times, you're even living according to your worldview kind of subconsciously because it's kind of deeply rooted. Sometimes it's conscious and sometimes it's just, well, you just kind of go in a direction. At times even wondering, why did I do that? Well, most likely it is coming out of the deep-rooted worldview that's in your heart. So if a worldview is an understanding of the world and how that directs our life, a biblical or Christian worldview is basically a view of the world that is consistent with the Bible and uh, basically that directing our life in the way that we live. So it's a view of the world that's consistent with the Bible and then also how that directs our life to fall out. So one example, let's take the idea of art. Okay, Um, And I pick art because it's probably the most uh, controversial among God's people, right? Because art, in all of its forms, can so easily glorify evil, right? Like in a moment. uh, And I think that's why God's people tend to get a little bit afraid of artistic expression because it can kind of fall off the ledge in a moment. But yet, art, as creativity, beauty, as designed by God, is a God-given thing. And so, uh, you know, one author said that art shows the human condition in a way, I love the way he phrased it, in a way that catches our full attention. Art expresses the human condition in a way that catches our full attention, and therefore it can be dangerous but it can also be used for the glory of God. What are God's people intended to think about art or artistic expression? Uh, How are God's people meant to interact with art uh, or any kind of artistic form, filmmaking, music, those kind of things? Let me suggest to you that avoidance is not God's answer. But historically, God's people have chosen avoidance because that thing can easily be used for evil, we'll just stay away from it. And you can think over the last hundred years, all the different trends among God's people that avoidance was the methodology. But guess who gets to say what is real and what is true and what is beautiful? The culture that doesn't know the Lord gets to... Gets to uh, Uh, basically define what artistic expression is. God is saying avoidance isn't it. It is how do we interact and see uh, this world and change uh, our lives because of it. And so uh, so, I'm, so really, we're going to borrow from a lot of different sources in this, in this series. Uh, Colson's book is a really good read. It's still, 20 years later, very helpful. Um, and he actually traces creation, fall, redemption, uh, and, uh, and consummation and where we're heading in his realm of the way to view the world. I thought it was very helpful. But before we get into that, and before we get into the ways to view the world, How do we understand anything is uh, through what God has revealed to us. Now, we can know about God from looking around creation. 
We can know he is an orderly God. He's creative. He's massive. He's powerful. Uh, We can see all of those things in his handiwork in creation. But yet, the specifics of who God is, how he's at work, what he's doing in this world only come from the scriptures. And we're going to look first at the authority of God's word. The authority of God's word. So how do we understand anything? Chiefly comes from God's word in the scriptures. So let's go back to our passage. So 1 Corinthians 2. So remember, just for context, Paul is speaking to a a church that's really got some major issues. Corinth was, you know, they were, they had some good things going on, but they had some major uh, problems. And uh, one was just kind of this puffed up uh, idea of their wisdom and their maturity and their thought process. And Paul basically comes to them in the beginning of chapter two and says, I don't come to you with anything except Jesus and him crucified. You know, and I do that. Why? Because so that, verse 5, your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And so he's speaking to these people who have a puffed up sense of wisdom and, and thought process, and he's speaking to them what is truth. And basically, he speaks to the authority of God's word. So look at verses 6 through 9. It'll be back on the screen if you don't have your Bible, but I would love for you to look there. Yet among the mature, there's those ones that think they are kind of, they already have it. We, We do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, uh, (laughs) I actually read this verse to Linda when I proposed to her, completely used it out of context. So the context uh, is... (laughs) is God's amazing plan, not what I was thinking. Anyway, um, you know, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? And so uh, what do we see here is we, we, we see Paul talking about a wisdom that is not the wisdom of this age, not the wisdom of the rulers of this age, because that wisdom is what? It is doomed to pass away or doomed to become nothing. He says it's a secret or hidden wisdom, a a wisdom that God has decreed before the ages, basically before time. So God, it's a wisdom of God that God has decreed before time that no eye, no ear, no heart can understand, imagine, or see. So the natural person sitting in this world and observing this world and trying to figure out how this world works does not discern or understand uh, the things of God. Where does it come from? It is a wisdom from God. It's a wisdom of what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, God's redemptive plan in all things. And so, uh, so, it's, uh, so God is speaking God is revealing himself. God is the one who is uh, bringing this wisdom of of, uh, his 
wisdom to us, not the wisdom that we can perceive from this age. So 2 Timothy 3, uh, uh, this is a very familiar passage. You probably learned it in VBS if you uh, memorized a verse, uh, that all scripture is God-breathed or breathed out by God. Sorry, my old NIV is coming back. Uh, So all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Go back one verse, Jason. So that all scripture is breathed out by God. So when we are reading the Bible, this is not the book that you can pick up at Barnes and Noble, if those are still even open. Uh, This is... God breathing out his word, giving us his revealed word and his uh, thoughts on who he is, his thoughts on this world, who are we, what's wrong with this world, what's wrong with us, what's going on in this world, how is it being made right, and is there any hope? All of those things are breathed out by God and are profitable for God's people. So the authority of God's word is what frames who we are. It's not the wisdom of this age. It is from the mouth of God. And so Colson in his intro in, in his book, he, he puts these two things kind of uh, in comparison with each other. And he takes the idea of authority and the idea of freedom any, not that those are antithetical to each other, but the way our world tends to see those is. And so uh, he said that uh, one of the tragedies of our world and, and our culture right now, modern culture, is that authority uh, is like a dirty word in the Western world, right? I don't want no authority over me, right? Uh, and even to the fact that we will cheer on opposition to authority, Maybe even in school, family, society. Uh, and it's not simply, you know, it's a harmless act. It's actually cheered on uh, in our culture. Whereas freedom would, uh, culture would say is getting out from under this authority. That's where freedom is found. Now, footnote, that is not biblical. So we're kind of talking through what culture sees and says is that freedom is getting out from under the authority that is over you. That there's uh, this, uh, that freedom has always been seen as involving some sort of rejection of authority because authority, what does it, what does it bring? It brings fixed limits and, uh, and freedom from that cuts loose of all kind of tethers. He said this, he said, undisguised contempt for restrictions and directions and defiance which which bucks all systems have become almost conventional and anyone who respects authority stands out as odd. So think about that. Anybody that respects authority is, is actually kind of antithetical to where our culture is. And then he goes, and I have, have this on the screen. This is actually very helpful for us in our understanding of the authority of God's word because it, is, uh, it, it basically speaks about the truth. And so uh, the Colson quote, is that back there? Yeah, so the 
the truth, paradoxical yet inescapable, is this that there is no freedom apart from external authority. So think about that that there's no freedom ex, uh, without or apart from external authority. He pushes in further. He says, to say, quote, I am my own authority, a law to myself, is to enslave myself to myself, which, uh, as Seneca, the Roman moralist said, an ancient writer, is the worst bondage of all. Interesting. So, and you hear this refrain, probably in your own heart at times, and definitely in our world, I'm my own authority. I know what's best for me. Uh, and Colson would say uh, that, that that enslaves me to me. And then he goes on. Only as I bow to an authority, go one more. Is it not there? There we go. Only as I bow to an authority, which is not myself, am I ever free. That is not how our culture sees freedom. Our culture sees freedom as no authority. And God is saying the exact opposite, that you will find your freedom when you understand his authority. And it's the authority of God's word as he speaks to us that we find what it is to really live in this world. But our culture around us and probably our own hearts, we don't have to look past our own, our own homes, Our own hearts say authority needs to be cast off. I need to make my own rules. And that is just completely antithetical to the things of God. Tim Keller tweeted this a couple weeks ago. Uh, He he said that if your God never, in lowercase g, by the way, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized or idealized version of yourself. Because the authority of God's word ought to reframe and realign and change the way we see the world and the way we live in it, okay? So the authority of God's word. Then uh, Paul keeps going that it's not just this wisdom that is kind of antithetical to the wisdom of the age. What does he see uh, is that this authority is revealed to us. It's not something that we can go out and find, but that sounds a lot like modern knowledge theory. Go find the, the truth that makes you happy. Go find what's inside of you. Go do The authority of the word and the authority of God is revealed to us. Look at verse 10, the first part of it. So all of these things, all this wisdom, these things God has revealed to us through his spirit. Okay? So the only way that we know the wisdom of God is that God is the one revealing. Just go back in our passage, which we've already read. You know, two, two times uh, Paul talks about imparting wisdom, basically giving it to these people. Talks about God decreeing this wisdom beforehand, uh, that, that we would understand the things that God has freely given to us. Uh, that he also speaks later about imparting these things in words. That this truth that is outside of us, an authority outside of us, is also a truth that is revealed to us. Okay, So it is, it's imparted, it's decreed, it's given, uh, it's revealed so that we might understand. Again, an authority outside of us that is revealed to us. 
But did, did you catch the things, um, you know, the, in verse 9, the eye, the ear, the heart, all the things natural to man can't perceive the mysteries of God. God must reveal his wisdom in a special way. So we see generally the things of God's character in creation around us. Not that God is in creation, but we see his amazing character on display as he made this world. But how do you know anything specific about God is from his word as he gives it? But what's really interesting uh, is, um, I didn't... Write it down. There it is. In verse 12, the second part of verse 12, that we've not received this spirit, uh, the spirit of the world, but the spirit of uh, the spirit uh, who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Who did this wisdom come to? It's really sobering. It was given to us. Who's the us? Is Paul speaking to the believers in the church of Corinth? I think you can rightly expand that to the us, to those who are God's people. This wisdom was given to us. This wisdom did not just come broadly to the world. What a sobering responsibility. The authority of God in his word revealed to us the ones that know him and love him. And the end of nine would say, uh, you know, prepared for those who love him. To us has he revealed these things. It's really an interesting thing when we see the authority of God's word being revealed to us as his people. What do we do with that? Well, first off, we have to know that you will not understand the word of God unless it is by the Spirit. So it's an authority, the authority of God, understood by the Spirit of God. So verses 10 to 16 begin to unpack these things. So these things that he has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person uh, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Basically what he is saying is that who understands the depth of the character of God is the spirit. And the depth of the spirit of God is then revealed to us, or the, the, the depth of the character of God is then revealed to us by the spirit. Uh, Go down to verse 13. We impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And verse 14 explains verse 13, if you, if you didn't get it. The natural person, that means the person without the Spirit, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned, discerned, meaning given by the Spirit and understanding. 
So it's as the Spirit comes and is, lives in us and dwells in us, the students learned about the Spirit dwelling in them this past week, that that being one of the most miraculous events and things that God has done. As the Spirit lives, lives in us, we learn what it is to actually think like the Spirit. We learn what it is to live like the Spirit would lead us. And so these things are only known by the Spirit of God. So let's run that through a grid. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So naturally, without the enlightenment that God brings to understand, if you are seeking after real wisdom, we looked at this in Proverbs, if you're seeking after real wisdom and how this world works and how to to really understand what's happening, If you don't know Jesus and his spirit does not live in you, you will not understand the wisdom of God. That's what that verse is saying. But then also what's interesting is for those in this room who claim to know Christ by faith and believe in him, the things of God will be revealed by his spirit. So if we're looking and seeking how do we live in this world, a right question is, how much time do you actually spend in the Word? Do you find yourself never reading the Bible? Do you find yourself, the only time you read it is when we're reading it together here, or maybe at youth or in small group. Do you find yourself in the Word at all during the week? Because if you're not, you're probably Uh, possibly not realigning your life with the word. And where does the authority of God come from? Is, Is outside of us, from him, revealed in the word of God by his spirit. That is obviously a first time thing when you come to Christ, but it's an everyday thing because how often have you started to walk a different direction and didn't even realize it? How often have you found yourself blind to living a different way in this world? And so the authority understood by the Spirit, that is a daily event that God's people ought to be involved with. To know his word, to assess our view of the world and our view of our life, our view of our life and how we're living in this world and letting the Spirit reveal his truth to us uh, by that daily assessment. So there's an authority that God gives or God has, and he lets us know it through his word, but then he also helps us to understand it uh, as we find ourselves underneath it. So as we're going to look at what does God say about all of those different questions, and maybe we won't answer your specific one, but when we look at all of those things that God speaks to, if you are not bathing yourself in the word of God, I would say you have no real hope to understand and have a biblical worldview and then to live according to it. Because it is a heart thing. Like we said, we don't have to look at culture to see where I I want to topple authority in my life. I don't need to look at other people. I can just look at my own heart. But yet, where do I not line up with with the word of God and his authority and what he has revealed about this 
about this world and how we live in it. Because in it, you'll also understand his redemption. Because is it just God created with power and go live your life? No, not at all. God is active in this world, redeeming and healing broken things. And how does that work itself out? Again, if you're not bathing yourself in the word, you've got no concept or no way to really bring that into your understanding. And so as we start to look at creation, we start to look at the value of mankind, we start to look at what's wrong with this world in sin and in broken things, as we start to look there, this is where we're going because this is how God reveals his understanding to us. I would welcome you to not have this morning or next Sunday be the only time that you're looking for God to revamp your understanding, to realign your life with his principles, to maybe even see your desperate need for his grace in your life, and you hit your knees in front of him, and you just bow yourself before him. God, you're my authority, and I long to live for you. So let's pray. God, ask, I ask that you would do an amazing work uh, in us uh, God, that you would bring us out of our own, uh, our desire to live life on our own, to live life in what we think, uh, to find uh, some version of truth that we like. God, bring us from those natural tendencies to the place where we recognize you are our authority and we surrender our lives to you. Thank you that you showed us what this world is, that you showed us how to live in it. You showed us what you're doing. God, help us to be a people, uh, a people that bathe themselves in the word. That, Father, that we are ones that take it in deeply and not just get a uh, refresher course on a Sunday morning. God, that we would be ones that truly frame our lives according to your revealed truth. God, thank you for that. Thank you that we don't have to guess how to live, that you show yourself to us. And God, I pray that even over the next many months, that we would be reinvigorated to know you, to know your word, and to study it. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.